So from all of us to all of you, Merry, Merry Christmas! Well, Merry Christmas, y'all. You made it. You guys got some serious extra Jesus dollars tonight. I, I heard the traffic was backed on on 98. Someone actually parked at Walmart and just walked here, so it's crazy, but you're here. Thank you, thank you so much for coming this evening to worship, to celebrate the birth of our Savior. My name is Clint, and uh, it's just an, it's an amazing honor that you would come, you'd bring your families, you would join with the rest of your crazy church families, some of the faces you saw on the screen uh, just a moment ago on the video, to be able to celebrate together tonight. A few things I need to let you know about before we get started. At the end of the service, we're going to be doing the candlelight lighting. And a couple of things. One, if you have a candle that's lit, please always keep that pointed straight up. If you tip it, hot wax will fall off and the person next to you will get burned and they have to go to the hospital. No one wants to go to the emergency room on Christmas Eve. Amen. So if you have a lit candle, hold it up straight and you come in sideways, you light it that way and we're all good. If you're joining us online, welcome as well you may have one of the Christmas Eve survival kits with you. And inside that's, uh, that box, there is one candle that's a little shorter, a little thicker. Uh, that will be the Jesus candle. In a few minutes, Jim Bell will come up on stage. He'll read uh, the Christmas story that we read about in second chapter of Luke. And at that point, you can light that candle. And then later, you'll be able to write, light the rest of the candles as well. It's going to be a beautiful evening. You're dry. You're here. Relax for a few minutes before the craziness of this evening and tomorrow kicks off. Speaking of which, let's all stand together as we pray the Lord's Prayer and prepare for worship. Let's pray, y'all. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father God, we love you. God, we look to you this evening. God, and maybe, maybe frustration, maybe the difficulties of getting here, maybe the craziness of what's going to happen after this evening. But God, we pray that you just be present in our lives. Help us to be still in the moments. Help us to recognize the people that are around us, the blessings of the relationships of family and friends, of church family. God, and be able to breathe. God, just to have a moment to be still and know that you are active and alive, not only 2,000 years ago in a tiny manger, but in our lives and in this place right now. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said.
chosen to join us on this special occasion. Today we celebrate Jesus, our Savior, our King, and we also celebrate the hope and the peace um, that, that comes in knowing Jesus Christ. Um, I don't know what you're going through this season, but God knows. And we know that Jesus not only brings hope and peace, He is the hope. He's the hope of the world. He's the hope of our lives. And so our prayer for you is, is regardless of what you might be facing, um, that during this time, we would open up our hearts and make room. Can I get an amen? It requires us opening up our hearts and allowing the Lord to come in and touch us. And we know that God's got something very special for you this evening. So let's just make room for Him as we continue to worship.
give praise to the King of Kings tonight. He deserves our very best. Amen. Thank you so much for singing. You may be seated. Listen to the words written by the gospel writer Luke. Second chapter, starting in verse number one. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea in Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room available in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch of their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. While you listen to that passage, the white Christ candle was lit. And it's signifying that the true light has come into the world. And let's continue to worship him. Stars are brightly shining. 
guys pray with me? Father, we are so very grateful to you just in this moment. And I pray that, God, you would open our hearts and our eyes just a little bit more just to see the, the beauty and the majesty, the magnificence and the power of, of this time and what we celebrate and what we get to do together. God, you could have done any number of things. You are creator, sustainer of the universe. This is what you've chose to bring redemption to us out of your love and perfect plan. Sending your only son to be the light of the world, to be the promised Messiah, to be God with us. And Jesus, we look to you tonight as those things as Lord, as Savior. We know what you came to do and what you've done for us. Tonight, we remember how you came to earth to save us. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, your kindness to us. We love you. We pray all these things. Jesus, in your mighty name, all God's people said.
Christ came into the world for you. Don't forget that you came into the world for Christ. Well, Merry Christmas. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us this evening at Community Life Church on this beautiful uh, Christmas evening night. Um, You guys made it. You didn't get, well, most of you didn't get run over in the parking lot. Some of you may have, um, but we're grateful for, for you taking the time to join us tonight, whether you're in person or joining us online Um, Thank you for being here. My name is Scott Verano, and I'm the lead pastor here at Community Life, and it is an honor uh, to have this time with you. At Community Life, we love God, we love our neighbor, and we believe that our mission is to connect people to Jesus, because we believe that Jesus is the source of life. And our hope is that when you discover the source of life, that you will tell every single person um, that you encounter about that source. And if there is anything that we can do to stand alongside you in this journey, um, we would consider that to be our mission. Um, so give us an opportunity, if you will, to, to be able to do that. So a couple quick announcements, and then we'll, um, then we'll be lighting candles and, and closing out this evening. Um, we, uh, every year, when we host our Christmas Eve service, we sponsor a local mission outreach. Um, this year, we are sponsoring a, a mission called Children in Crisis. 
which is a local um, outreach for the, uh, that, that helps children that are in the foster care system. Um, and it has been one of these amazing ministries that we've stood alongside and that have stood alongside people here in the church. And uh, so we're going to partner with them this year. Their focus is to keep siblings together. And one of the things that we've loved that certain ministries and areas of our church have really partnered with them in is not only do they work with children that are in that foster system, but even when they age out, they still stand alongside them, helping them to find support and job training and the things they need so that they can live a healthy, successful life. And and so that's who we're going to partner with. And if that grabs a hold of your heart and you want to be a part of that, um, then there's QR codes on the chair in front of you. You can use those to give. Um, if you're online uh, today and you're watching, then uh, feel free to go ahead and go to the giving page at some point. You can donate that way. And then some of you, you still carry cash. I didn't know that that was a thing. Uh, that's awesome. And some of y'all love to write checks. We love our check writers. Uh, by each one of the doors, there's a, a little white box, and you can give that way as well. But thank you for helping us to support that, that outreach here in our community. Next announcement has to do with next week's service. It's hard to believe that this year is coming to a close. Some of you say amen. (laughs) Some of you are like, no, it's been a great year. Uh, We're going to do something different next Sunday morning. Uh, We have three services normally on us any given Sunday, which means you don't often get to see the rest of the crazy Aunt Sally's in your church. We're going to put everybody together on one service at 10 a.m. next Sunday. And just see what happens. It's probably going to look a little bit like this, uh, but come on, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a shortened service. It's, it's only going to be communion. All the kids, all the adults, we're all going to pile in here. If you want to, wear your PJs. That's okay. Make sure they're appropriate, but come on, join us. And um, we're going to receive communion, short message. Tammy's going to sing Winter Snow, which is my favorite song of the year. I, always, I wanted to always sing it on Christmas Eve, and this year she just said no. Is she, are you allowed to tell the preacher no? <laughs> she is. Um, so she's going to sing that song next week. I'm looking forward to that. And then last but not least, Clint gave you the candle announcement. If your candle is lit, it stays up and down. And, and this last one, this has to do with part of the challenge as to why it was so difficult to get in. If there's any sort of bad weather or if it rains at all, the officers aren't allowed to stop traffic. So we encourage everyone that lives towards Navarre to maybe when you're leaving the church, take a right and politely make your way down Soundside Drive. We love our Soundside neighbors and we want them to love us. So um, drive slowly down there, take a left on Nantahala Road and get out to the light and we want you to get home safe and celebrate Christmas with the family, but uh, just, just be safe. Maybe stop by and take some pictures at some of the different spots so that we can spread out the parking lot. Okay, um, we've been in this series over our Christmas season called uh, Make Room. And in Luke chapter two, and Jim read this a few minutes ago, There is a verse that I think is one of the most remarkable verses in Scripture. Luke chapter 2, verse 7, where Scripture, Luke tells us that Mary gave birth to her firstborn son. She wraps him in bands of cloth, and she lays him down in what? In a manger. Now, we hear manger, and we romanticize it. It's so beautiful we think of a manger. Do you know what a manger is? It's a feeding trough. For horses and goats and whatever else happens to be in the barn at the time. She wrapped the Son of God in bands of cloth and lay him down, and she lays him down in a manger. If we were tasked with the responsibility of bringing the Son of God in this world, like you were on the planning committee, can we all agree that's not the way we would have written this? We would have come up with a different way for Jesus to show up. It would not have been in a feeding trough, it would have been a different way. But when you read on, you find out why it's a feeding trough. Because there was no room in the inn. 
Which brings me to the next point, that if you are a person who owns hotels, you never want to make a mistake like this, right? Like when the person that is the most influential person that will ever walk the face of this earth shows up or is about to be born, you don't want to miss it there, right? Like you'd chuck people out of your hotel room to make room if you knew. Here's what we know, that this unfolded exactly the way that it was supposed to. And I think there's a larger message in all of this. But the innkeeper didn't make room. And so we've been asking ourselves over these last few weeks, what does it mean for us to make room? What does that look like for us to make room for Jesus? And it's hard to believe that we are here on Christmas Eve. It feels like we just started this series. But three weeks has flown by. And in about 15 to 17 minutes, Kyle and Tammy and the band will come out. And we'll start singing Silent Night. And I will brave my way over to the Christ candle and I'll light a candle and we'll start to spread that flame throughout this building. I will say a prayer that everybody's fine, like you have all that nervousness and anxiety going on. And we'll sing Silent Night. And as we think, sing through Silent Night, Jim makes his way to the back and he usually stands in the back. And once all the candles are lit, Jim gives us the sign. And when he does that, we circle back around to the first verse and we sing it a cappella. And when that first verse ends in silence, we then raise our candles in the air and we sit there for 10 to 15 seconds. And I'm going to tell you, for me, they are some of the most important seconds of 2023. For me, they're moments that I need in my life because of some of the things that I've walked through. And here's what I hope you do. I hope that tonight you're willing to make room. I hope that you are willing to expect that in 10 to 15 seconds, you can have an encounter with the God of all creation. Because I'm gonna tell you what, if you encounter the God of creation in 10 to 15 seconds, it will change your life for eternity. And then we'll blow those candles out and you'll jump back into the crazy world that, that you know is waiting for you right outside these doors. And so I hope that you'll just go ahead and set that expectation and prepare your heart for what I believe God can do inside of you. So what we've been doing in this series is we've been looking through the biblical characters and what they did to make room. Joseph had to face ridicule, uncertainty, the loss maybe of his own family because he decided to go ahead and marry Mary um, to make room for Jesus. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they opened up their home to an unwed pregnant girl in a culture that would have rather stoned her than to make room for her. And in doing so, they made room for Jesus while they themselves were even making room to bring a child into this world in the late stages of their life. They were making room for Jesus. And then the wise men who were willing to, they didn't even believe in Jesus. They just had a sign and they thought that they would travel across the known world at the time to go find out what this king was all about, to make room for Jesus. And here's what I'll tell you is that hundreds of biblical characters made room for Jesus so that here 2,000 years later in Gulf Breeze, we could read and we could study this story. How do we make room for Jesus? So we're gonna read in Luke chapter two. Jim read the story, but I'm gonna pick up in verse eight. And the focus of our topic tonight is really that night, what it looked like for the shepherds, for Mary, for Joseph, what was God doing and how can it relate to us here when we think about the gathering together and making room. And so in verse eight, Luke writes this. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. It's easy to read that verse and just continue on. Just facts. Nothing you need to worry about. But I'm going to tell you there's something in this verse that I think connect many of us in a relevant way to this story. 
Because this will make sense and connect you to the greater story. Luke tells us that the shepherds were living in the fields. These weren't nine to five shepherds who punched the clock and then when their day was done, they went back home. They weren't sleeping in their own bed at night. They were sleeping in a field, under a bush, at the gate of a cave, watching over these flocks. Now, you may say, Scott, why do you say that? Do you know we have people in this church that are sleeping and living in their field tonight? We have military personnel that are deployed. They would have loved to have been home for Christmas, but because of their service to this country, they're not. I want you to know that we see you, we love you, we're thinking about you. We have truckers that are on the road tonight that go to this church that weren't able to be here. We have friends that are working on oil rigs. They are literally living in the field with the people that are there. And if you've ever lived in that world, you know when you come back into the normal rhythms of life, you have to retrain yourself to think of what it's like to be with family, you're not, to be not as irritable, to have to have all of the patience and everything else. This is who God reveals this great move to. Verse nine, then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. I love from time to time as a preacher, people will tell me their angel stories. And if you've told me an angel story, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about somebody else. They'll tell me their angel stories. And how it was such a beautiful moment. And I said, well, wait a minute now. Anytime you read about an angel in scripture, somebody's always terrified, right? Can we agree that this is not cute little fluffy Cupid flying around? When angels show up in the New Testament, people are terrified. This is a serious moment, what God is doing in the world. But the angel said to him, verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy. Let's read this together for all the people. And here's the message. To you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. That was the good news that the angels were sharing with these shepherds who were sleeping in the midst of all of their work with everything that was unfolding around them. That something significant has happened, that God has entered into the world, and we want you to know this is not just for you. This is a message for everyone. Everyone is invited to experience this. Verse 12 has quickly become one of my favorite verses in all Scripture. The angel says, this will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. Now, I, ladies, I don't know if any of you have a husband like I am, but sometimes Tammy will send me to the store, and I will forget what I'm there to get. Anybody ever have that problem? You will text a message, she'll write it on my hand, and somehow I'll get there. Because you'll go into Walmart and you'll run it, you, you never know who you're gonna see in Walmart, and you'll run into them, she'll say, Scott, I need you know, six cans of French cut green beans, the little thing of mushroom, whatever, and the Frenchy things, and, and, and I'll walk in, I'll run into somebody, I'll have a conversation, they walk away, I have no idea why I'm there. So what do I do? I go over to the fishing and hunting section because that's what I do. Guess what's not in the hunting and fishing section? French cut green beans, right? So I, I have no idea. Eventually she'll call me and she'll say, where are you? I'm like, I really don't know. But it's as great and they've got some sales, whatever it is. Here's what you need to hear tonight and why I know this story is real. God does not want you to miss what God is doing. He gave the shepherds a sign that they would be unmistakable to them. Their responsibility as shepherds was to care for the sheep, yes, to protect them from wolves and from people trying to steal them, but if there was ever a lamb that was born, they would take that lamb and they would wrap it up in whatever cloth that they could find and they would place it in a manger to get it up off the ground so the others didn't trample it as they were going in and out of the caves or the places where they stored them. 
And so for the angel to say to them, this will be a sign to you that you will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth, I want you to know they would have understood that to the core of their being, they would have known what they were looking for. God does not want you to miss what God is doing in this world. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a, a, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. Uh, I used to listen to this sermon and you always get this imagery of a choir. Once again, back to the wings and gold and whatever. And um, it was always sat strange with me that, that heaven would open and there'd be a choir. I don't, I don't know why that was all about. I wanna give you an insight that I think is so profound. The word host in the Greek does not mean fluffy angel, in case you're wondering. The word host is, is this word stratia, which means soldier. When the heavens were opened up and the shepherds looked into the heavens, they didn't see fluffy angels. They saw the host of heaven, the soldiers, the army. They were there to ensure that the plan of God would unfold exactly as God wanted it to unfold. Why do I tell you that? I have no idea. I tell you that to know that there's more going on in the heavenlies than we could ever possibly imagine, and you don't need to worry about messing up God's plan. That God's plan is gonna unfold in the way that it needs to because God's going to see to it. This gives me so much hope about this story. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place which the Lord has made known to us. You know, I went back in the scripture and I read it. There is not a direct command for the shepherds to go see what God is doing. That shocked me. But what it tells me is that this invitation is open to everyone to come and see. But the shepherds, after hearing a prompting or after being invited or hearing what God is doing inside of their heart of hearts, they had a decision to make. And their decision was, you know what? We should probably go check this out. And I'm grateful they did so that we could read this story. And so in verse 16, it says, so they went with haste. It means they were moving quickly. And they found Mary and Joseph, which means they had to look for them. There was some work that was acquired on their part. And the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, it clicked for them. They knew that this was the moment that they had been there. The, um, when they saw this, they made known what the child, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. This tells us that there were more in that space than just Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds. There were other people that were there, but Luke doesn't tell us who they are, doesn't give us that full insight. But everybody who heard it were amazed. What I like to think is that the shepherds experienced this moment, the fulfillment of what the angels had told them, and so they share that story with Mary and Joseph. And I imagine Mary and Joseph said, well, let me tell you what God did for us. And then this group of people had the opportunity to share about the living God and what God was doing in this grand move, in this incarnation as God came into the world. Verse 19 is, is such a powerful verse. It says, but Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. You know, Luke, I didn't tell you this earlier, but the way that Luke wrote his gospel was by what he says is eyewitness account, which means as he was putting these notes together, he would interview people, take notes, and then deliver those stories to us. And so it's believed possibly the way that he writes verse 19 is that that is a good chance that Luke may have 100% gotten this information from Mary, 100%, maybe, maybe not. But, but here's what I'll tell you. He writes it in such a way that 
although Mary is pondering, what he's doing is he's inviting us to do the very same thing, to think about the work that God is doing. And then we'll finish with verse 20. And uh, this is an important verse for us to really shape our hearts and our minds for tonight. He says, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You know, it's something that we should be aware of, that the shepherds didn't just stay there with sweet baby Jesus. Could you imagine? Well, we found him. We're just going to stay right here for the rest of our lives. The truth is, they discovered, they had this encounter, and they had to return back to their life. They had responsibilities. They had families. They had things that they had, the challenges that they were walking through. They had this encounter, and they went back to their lives. And it says that they were praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They weren't returning and praising God because they received all of the answers in the universe. They weren't returning and praising God because they were sick and now there's no more ailments in their body. They weren't returning and praising God because each one of them got a bag of cash. I say that and I'm over-exaggerating because when they returned, they were praising God because they had an encounter that they encountered and they were able to confirm what God had spoken to them was actually true. And when they returned back to their life, they returned differently than when they approached that manger because they knew in those moments that they spent time with the king. And when you spend time with the king and you go back into life, you are forever changed. And so in this series, we've been asking, how is it that we can make room for God? Well, I want to ask you to consider something a little bit different tonight. I want to ask you to consider the God who made room for you. On a certain night in Bethlehem, some 2,000 years ago, heaven's armies oversaw God's entrance into this world. In the Gospel of John, John writes this, the word became flesh and lived among us. And if you read verses three through five, this is how John describes Jesus in this world. He says, what has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. For John, Jesus entering into the world, the incarnation, was about God revealing life to this world, and those who discover that life would experience light, or maybe another way to say it is the illumination of life, the ability by understanding his life to see our lives in a different way illuminating our path, helping us to understand. Does that make more sense as to how the shepherds went back to their life praising God because they had a completely different perspective on what they were facing? And so for me, as I, as I try to think of what it's like to make room, the thing that most stands out to me about our Christmas story is not how grand and huge this moment was when God entered into the world, but, but actually the opposite of that how it was the reverse of everything that we would have planned for it to be. It actually is done in reverse order. And here's what I want you to hear, that God entered this world in such a way that we would all have access to an encounter with him. God made room for all of us. And so for just a moment, let's consider the cast of characters that were there around the manger. Mary and Joseph, unemployed, Homeless, unwed, 
probably ostracized from their family because culture would not allow them to be in a relationship that looked anything like what they were walking through. They had just given birth to a child in a cave, and they had enough financial wherewithal to wrap the child not in a fluffy family blanket, but in bands of cloth and place him in a food trough. That's how Jesus came into this world. Just process that for a moment. Because the truth is, in some of our narratives, we ourselves would exclude some of these folks from the God narrative. Not God. Think about the shepherds. When you look around the manger, you see this cast of characters that just spent possibly six months living in the fields at night. They would not have smelled very good. They would have been disheveled. Their minds maybe weren't in the normal rhythms of life. But they would have been there. They spent their lives fighting off thieves and wolves and supporting and doing all those different things. But those are the ones that God called to be there around Jesus during that time. And there were others. But this was the group that was present in that most significant moment in our history. Not kings, not dignitaries, not an RSVP event. Just real people struggling through a very real life. Which should cause every single one of us to look around at our friend group and say something like, we got a chance. Like, we actually have a shot to be in this group. We could have been there on that very first day because we are a hot mess. And apparently, this group was too. What about the place? This isn't a palace. It's not a temple. It's not even a synagogue. It's a manger. They're surrounding this manger. It's most likely a cave or an enclosure or some, some place where animals could be dropped off to feed to be, to be boarded. It's a place that everyone had access to. And, and please hear me. This is so important. And for some of you, this may be the most important thing you hear tonight. The presence of God was not then and is not now controlled by or restricted by a pious group of religious leaders. There is no man, no woman, no organization, and no denomination that can control or restrict your access to encountering God. In verse 10, the angel says, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. God made room for all the people, but here's the truth. Not all people will make room for God. And so today as we celebrate and as we remember Jesus... I pray that you'll do exactly that, that you will take this time to make room inside of your heart for the king, to make room inside of your heart for this light of the world. Maybe it won't provide you the answers that you've been searching your whole life for, but I promise you and I guarantee you that it will illuminate your life and help you to walk through whatever it is that you're facing because I honestly believe that whether it's 10 to 15 seconds or the, for the rest of your life, encountering the king will change your life for the rest of your life. And I hope that you'll just allow your heart to be settled and that you'll make room for Jesus. Amen? I want to invite the, the candle stewards to come forward as we pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, and we're grateful for these moments where you, you give us the opportunity to consider this Christmas story and to work through this verse, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, which rings different when we think about a manger. 
so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And God, tonight we get to wrestle through what that means as we think about the light of the world. God, I pray that there would be people here tonight who maybe for the very first time would open up their hearts and choose to believe. I do know that there are people, no doubt, God, that are here that have found themselves way away from the things that they know to be true. And I pray that tonight would be a calling back, a calling back to that most significant life and heart and Savior. God, we love you. We trust you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite you, if you will, to go ahead and stand and get your candles out. Get the children to a place to where they'll be relatively safe during this time. If they have glow sticks, this is probably the time to go ahead and, and crack those and get ready as we prepare our hearts to sing Silent Night.
Merry Christmas.